What's up, everybody? It's your boy Joshua Edwards, live from live from my parents' kitchen on this beautiful what is it Thursday afternoon? It's chilly out here in North Carolina. I am back from Vegas. I got a lot that I want to talk to you about on today, the 25th episode. I just turned 25 on November 23rd. So if you listen to my last episode, you know I had to take a little break in between then because I obviously I went to Vegas. Me and my fiance had an excellent time. Vegas is a beautiful place to be, but uh, I will say it is expensive. I I know for a fact I couldn't live out there because if I did, I I mess around to start gambling, shoot car notes, trying to win uh, hundreds of dollars backs and stuff like that. But it, overall, it's a great experience. In and Out Burger is not as good as everybody makes it out to be. I'm gonna be real with you guys. Cookout is better than In-N-Out, and that is no lie. Uh, they, they had this burger. It's called the Double Double Burger. Um, when I flew out west, I hit up my homeboy. His name is James Butts. Called him whatever. I said, uh, yeah, James, I'm out here in and out man. What should I get? He said, all right, Josh, you got to get a Double Double Burger with grilled onions, and then you have to get the fries animal style. So I called him. So I went up to the uh, register and everything. I said exactly what he said verbatim. That was trash. Everything about it was trash. The fries were freezing cold. They have the worst fries I've ever had at any fast food restaurant. I don't know why the hell I got an animal style. Because it was just a lot of BS going on with with the fries in general. The burger wasn't that bad. But I kind of expected it to be like a Krabby Patty. I expected it to have some more substance, some more soul. And if that's what they eat out west, I don't want to live out there, man, because that is just, it's just not the wave, man. It was a lot of walking on the strip of Vegas. Uh, I think it was like Vegas Boulevard. Me and my fiance took some picture by the little dancing water fountain. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a Rush Hour 2 like when they're finally hitting Vegas and like the water's dancing and it dances to the music and all that stuff. But overall, last week I had a an amazing experience. It was real nice to just get a different feel of, you know, the other side of the United States. Time zone, time lap time lapse had us sleepy at seven o'clock, because you know it was seven o'clock there, ten o'clock here. So we was jet lag crazy. Um but overall, it was definitely a great experience. Just want to give another huge shout-out to my fiance again. That was an amazing trip. Just a quick little side note. If you ever get a chance to go to Allegiant Stadium, please go and visit it, man. That is the beauti- That is the most, I don't even know if this is a word, the most beautiful stadium that I've ever seen in my life. When you, <laughs> when you talk about the way that it looks on the outside, it literally looks like the Darth Vader helmet for all my Star Wars fans. 10 out of 10, that's the best-looking stadium that I've ever seen. Now, I haven't seen uh, SoFi Stadium out in the Los Angeles, California, but the the dark hole, it's like that. The Legion Stadium, two thumbs up. But without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into episode 25 of Joshua's Proximity. So we're officially 19 days away from the beginning of the NBA season. And as you know, trades is going to happen left and right. Everybody's going to be pushing to either grab a superstar or grab some draft picks if they're tanking, per se. And the Washington Wizards just acquired Russell Westbrook. They ended up giving away John Wall in the first-round pick. 
Now, a lot of people have been asking me, Josh, what do you think about the trade and who won the trade? Well, it's a no-brainer. The Washington Wizards won that trade, and it's not even close. Yes, granted, the the Houston Rockets, they do get John Wall, and they do get a first-round pick. But let's not act like Russell Westbrook isn't one of one. We're talking about the only man in NBA history to average three straight years of averaging a triple-double. It's only been done one other time, and that was Oscar Robertson, and he only did it one time. He did it three straight seasons. He's also a two-time scoring champ. He's also a two-time All-Star MVP. He's also a two-time assist champ. And he was uh, the 2016-2017 MVP. What has John Wall done? I'm lost. Yeah, he came up with his own little dance, John Wall, when he was at the University of Kentucky. But outside of that, what has he done? He hasn't played the last two seasons. He's injury prone. If you take away his 2012 through 2013 NBA season, and if you take away his last two seasons, yes, he's averaging more assists than Russell Westbrook. He's averaging 9.3 assists a game. But, I mean, Russell Westbrook, he's no slap. He's been averaging 8.4 assists a game. If you take away his 2013 season and you take away his last two seasons, he's he's been averaging 8.4 assists a game. But, I mean, that's the only category that John Wall's leading Russell Westbrook in. They both have the same usage rate. Russell Westbrook shooting higher at the free throw line. He's shooting higher from the field. He's box office. How many people do you know that says, hey, man, let's go watch John Wall? Huh? Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, man. He might he might go for 50 in a triple-double. John Wall just might go for 20, 25 and 10. Come on, man. Stop playing with Stop playing with me, man. We all know who won this trade. Russell Westbrook is box office. He's about to get that city, uh, Washington, D.C., back on the map for playing basketball. You know, Bradley Bill, he had a career year last year, but it was awful. John Wall, I don't know what to expect out of him. He hasn't been healthy the last two years. Is he going to Is he going to play 72 games this year? Is he going to play 50 games this year? Or is he going to give you 30 games again and get injured? I don't know what to expect, man. So when everybody's talking about some, they don't know exactly who won the trade. Come on, man. Just, just, just go look at the last five seasons. You know who won this trade. It's the Washington Wizards. Don't act crazy. But let me go ahead and switch topics real quick. I didn't get a chance to watch last night's game, but I do know the final score. 19-14, to 14, the Pittsburgh Steelers over the Baltimore Ravens. Now, just how much stock are we investing into the Pittsburgh Steelers? I need you guys to think about that for just a split second. 19-14 against the Baltimore Ravens, a team that does not have Lamar Jackson, a team that does not have Mark Ingram, a team that does not have J.K. Dobbins, all because of COVID-19. 19-14? What? At home? Granted, it is a division game, don't get me wrong, and it's a rivalry, but 19-14 without their rain, without the reigning MVP of the National Football League starting at quarterback, without a run, two starting running backs, 19-14. Just how much stock are we putting in the Pittsburgh Steelers? I can, I'm about to name off the teams that they've beaten. 
They've beaten the Jags, the Bengals, the Ravens twice. They beat the Giants. They beat the Titans. That was a close game. The Browns, the Eagles, the Texans, and the Broncos. How much stock are we really putting into the Pittsburgh Steelers? I'm not too sure on them, man. They Now, granted, they are in my, my top ten teams, but just how much stock are we really investing into the Pittsburgh Steelers? I forgot to mention that they also beat the Cowboys, which was a, came down to the last possession, and we know how awful the Cowboys are. But how much stock are we really putting into the Pittsburgh Steelers? Top ten, yes. Number one, no. And since we're talking about the top ten teams, let me go ahead and reveal my top ten teams heading into week 13. And number ten, I got to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have lost the last three out of the last four. Yes, that is true. They are also on a bye this week. Yes, that is true. But at the end of the day, they still have Tom Brady throwing them the football. Now, he has struggled lately, especially at home. He struggled mightily at home. But the thing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that I think that they have to get back to, they got to run football. When you look at what they did to the Carolina Panthers and how Ronald Jones really established a run, Hell, he had a 98-yard touchdown run. They get, they got to get back to running the football. They got to stop thinking once they're down a touchdown that they have to throw the ball all over the place because that's not true at all. Their defense is bad on the back end. They're very, very bad on the back end. But the Bucs, they're not that far off. They have to they got to start establishing the run first off. Tom Brady has got to stop force-feeding Mike Evans or force feet and Chris Godwin and, and actually go through his progressions because a lot of the times Antonio Brown, you know, he's on my fantasy team, but he he legitly is open a lot of the time. So he has to just go through his progressions and slowly but surely have to get a feel, especially during this bye. They got to get a feel for each other. They got to understand the system that they're trying to run, and they got to get a feel for – what type of coverages the defense is going to be running. Because it's clearly, obviously, that the receivers are not on the same page as Tom Brady. So the Bucks are number 10. Number 9, I got to go with the Miami Dolphins. Now, Brian Flores is a great coach. If you ask me, I think that he should be – him and Mike Tomlin right now should be the coach of the year. Especially what the Dolphins were last year, a top, top five, top six team drafting – and they turn around, now they're almost about to take over the AFC East? Woo! That team, that team is a scary wild, wild card team. And they can go into any, any place outside of Kansas City and compete and possibly pull out, pull out a win. So I got the Dolphins at number nine. Number eight, it's really something about the AFC North, man. Because I also don't believe that the Browns are as good as their record predicates. They're eight and three, but at number eight, I got the Cleveland Browns. Now Baker Mayfield, he is not the quarterback of their future. I don't know if he's just making too many turnovers. His decision making is bad. But if they're not running the football, I wouldn't trust Baker Mayfield at all. So with that being said, their defense is playing lights out. Miles Garrett. He's making his case again for Defensive Player of the Year. So right now I got to go number eight, the Cleveland Browns. But I'm not, I'm not too sure on what 
what exactly the Cleveland Browns are. So at number eight, I got the Cleveland Browns. Number seven, I got the Green Bay Packers. Now, we all know that Green Bay is a finesse team. They don't like to get hit in the mouth. They are pretty boys. If you run the ball down their throat, they're not going to stop the run. The pass rush disappears from time to time. The secondary secondary is pretty okay. The receiving cores outside of Devontae Adams is terrible. So, <laughs> I mean, we know what the Green Bay Packers are. They're number seven. Now, in order for them to move up, man, they got to get some more quality wins. Yes, they beat the, the Chicago Bears in Monday Night Football, but that's not saying too much. Like, we know what the Bears are. We know that they don't have their quarterback of the future. We know that Matt Nagy is on the the hot seat right now. So, seven and eight, to me, they can really be interchangeable. The Browns at number eight. The Packers at number seven. And number six, I got the Tennessee Titans. Now, they can run the football on anybody in the National Football League. Now, where I think that they struggle is Ryan Tannehill. He's not a bad, he's not a bad quarterback. He's definitely a good game manager. But at times, he doesn't look too sure of himself. And their defense is real sketchy from time to time. One week they'll have a good week. The next week they'll go out there and they'll just lay an egg. And like last week they, they played phenomenal against the Colts. But a couple weeks prior, you know, they got the, do- the doors blown off them. So number six, I got the Tennessee Titans. Number five, I got the Seattle Seahawks. Now I knew that once they got Jamal Adams back and they made a move to acquire a pass rusher, which they did, getting Carlos Dunlap, that they would be fine. Their their back end isn't the best. It's about the same with the Bucks. But the difference is the Seahawks, now they can get a little more pressure with Jamal Adams. He leads their team actually in sacks at a safety position. But he's not just playing safety. He's playing some outside linebacker. He's playing corner from time to time. He's playing in the slot. He's playing uh, high safety, deep third safety, uh, the robber safety. So, they're back to being physical. They got Chris Carson back. So, at number five, I got the Seattle Seahawks. Number four, I got the Buffalo Bills. Now, I have stated time and time again, I am low-key a Buffalo Bills fan. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of Micah Hyde. I don't know if it's because of Josh Allen. But I really like the Bills, man. They're a physical football team. They can run the football with the quarterback. Josh Allen had, might have the, the biggest arm in the National Football League. But the one thing about them, if I continue to see them give up jump balls at the end of a game or the end of a quarter, I'm going to lose my mind. They did that this past week against the Chargers. They did that against the Cardinals. Like, come on, man. Y'all got to either – y'all better either hold. Y'all better deflect it. Y'all better intercept it. Y'all better sack the quarterback. But y'all got to stop giving up these deep, last-second Hail Mary passes. Come on, Buffalo. That's why they're going to continue to remain at number four. At number three, I got the Pittsburgh Steelers. For everything that I just listed prior to this segment, they've played the Jags. They've beaten the Bengals. They've beaten the Ravens twice. They've beaten the Cowboys, the Titans. That was a solid win. The Browns, but we don't know about them. They've beaten the Eagles. They're bad. They've beaten the Texans. They're bad. They've beaten the Broncos. Terrible. They've beaten the Giants. Terrible. Like, how much stock are we investing in them? These two, the two teams ahead of them, is teams that I know that would dominate them. 
home or away. So the Steelers, their defense is amazing, but I still feel like they need to run the ball more effectively. James Conner has got – he didn't play last night because of COVID, but James Conner has to come back strong and running the ball effectively like they were at the first half of the season, man. The Steelers, they're the number three team in my top ten hierarchy. Number two, I got the New Orleans Saints. Now, we don't know what Drew Brees is going to be like when he comes back, if he comes back, but we all know this is his last season. Taysom Hill, if he is at quarterback, they're losing in the first round. No, they get, they're, they're probably end up winning the – they're probably ended up getting the, the uh, number one seed and they'll have the first round bye. But in that divisional game, they will lose if Taysom Hill is at quarterback. I can bank I can bet any type of money on that. Whatever y'all want to bet, I'm willing to bet. Taysom Hill, he's not a quarterback. Just plain and simple. I'm just gonna leave it just like that. They haven't been getting Alvin Kamara involved lately. Now I know his foot may be a little injured from whatever it is, but they've got to get him back acclimated into the offense. I'm tired of seeing quarterback runs from Taysom Hill, quarterback power, a uh, little five yard in route to Michael Thomas, and then you're just running out the clock for the rest of the game with Latavius Murray. That's not going to win the game against real competition. And the Saints, they better start looking at Jameis Winston. So I think this week against the Falcons, they'll have a a tough task and a tough matchup, especially with it being in Atlanta. So number two, I got the Saints. And number one, the baddest boy on the planet, my homeboy and his crew. Kansas City. Kansas City, I think where their flaw is, is definitely the secondary. Their pass rush from time to time, it does disappear. But their corners on the outside, really, they're not really good. They got Breland. They got Tyron Matthew, that's a, that's a safety. And they got that other safety that I really like, number 49. Um, I can't think of his name right now. But outside of that, their secondary secondary really struggles from time to time if the pass rush isn't effective. But they have the quarterback that can come back down from 24 to nothing. And Patrick Mahomes, they have the most potent offense in the entire National Football League. They have debatably the number one receiver in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. He is by far the most explosive player in the National Football League, and it's not close. He really might be the most explosive player in the National Football League since Dante Hall. That's what I just remember. Because he he can return kicks. He can catch out of the backfield. He can catch from the receiver position. He can catch in the slot. Whatever you need him to do, he can do it. So right now, you got Kansas City Chiefs, they have to be the number one team in the National Football League. And it's not close. So just a little recap. Number 10, I got the Bucks. Number 9, I got the Miami Dolphins. Number 8, I got the Cleveland Browns. Number 7, I got the Green Bay Packers. Number 6, I got the Tennessee Titans. Number 5, I got the Seattle Seahawks. Number 4, I got the Buffalo Bills. Number 3, put a little star beside it, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number 2, I got the New Orleans Saints. And number 1, I got the Kansas City Chiefs. So to, to finish off episode 25, a 25th episode of Joshua's Proximity. I'm going to give you my little matchups for this week, who I got. Saints versus the Falcons. Now, <laughs> if anybody watched the Falcons versus the Raiders game, 
I, I think I was the only one that knew it was going to be a trap game. The Falcons really aren't a bad team. They just don't know how to close out games. But against the Raiders, oh, they slammed the door shut, 42-3. to So Saints versus the Falcons in Atlanta. I got the Falcons beating them by a field goal. Browns versus the Titans. Now this is the game to watch. Because of the things that I have listed about the Browns beforehand, what is Baker Mayfield? Is he their quarterback of the future? If they don't have a running game, can they throw the ball effectively? With that, with that being said, I got to go with the Tennessee Titans in this game. Lions versus the Bears. Ah, who cares, man? I'm going with the Lions. Bengals versus the Dolphins. Ooh, got to go with the Dolphins. Dolphins is hot right now. Jags versus the Vikings. Hmm. The Vikings came back and beat the Panthers this past week. So I got to go with the Vikings. Colts versus the Texans. I like Indianapolis. Hold on. Let me let me ponder on that a little bit. Colts versus the Texans in Houston. I'm gonna go with the Texans. Raiders versus the Jets. Come on, man. I've stated time and time again the Jets are going winless this year. Giants versus the Seahawks. Seahawks easy. Rams versus the Cardinals. Now, I believe if Jared Goff has another bad game, he's getting benched. It's just that simple, man. They have a chance. The Rams have a chance to make a playoff push. And this is a divisional game. So it's a must-have game, must-win. With that being said, even with the amazing pass rush of the the Los Angeles Rams, I got to go with the Arizona Cardinals. The pass versus the Chargers. Now, this is this is going to be a little eyesore. I think Stephon Gilmore will D up Keenan Allen, follow him the entire game. And I like the Patriots in this game. In L.A., uh, I think Cam Newton will be up to par. I believe that the Pats will ultimately pull out the victory. The Eagles versus the Packers. Now, this can be a, a really either a really close game or it can be a blowout. With the pass rush of the Eagles, Carson Wentz, man, it's really your last straw. I don't know what you need to do. I don't know if you need to pray more. I don't know what you need to do to get right. But you got to get right and get right fast. With that being said, I'm going with the Eagles, baby. Broncos versus the Chiefs. Chiefs is, and it's not even close. The Steelers versus the Washington football team. I am going with the Washington football team, and I'm dead serious for a couple of reasons. One, that defensive line is, is spectacular. They're all first-rounders on that defensive line in Washington. Alex Smith, he's not going to give away the ball. I don't see anybody that can really check Terry McLaurin. And I think that their defense is going to hold the Pittsburgh Steelers. So with that being said, I'm going Washington football team this week. Bills versus the 49ers. I'm going Bills, Josh Allen. Ooh, that's going to be a real close game. But I'm going with the Bills in that game. And then to cap it off on Tuesday night, Cowboys versus the Ravens. The Ravens by big. The Cowboys just stink. So I really don't expect anything out of them. So that really concludes episode 25 of Joshua's Proximity. Thank you for tuning in. Vegas was fun. If you ever get a chance, definitely go out there and get that experience. And I'm out.